host of the Life After Life podcast. I want to invite you to become a patron of the podcast. For just five euro per month, you will get ad-free content, video episodes, exclusive events and discounts throughout the year as a thank you for your support. Check out the link to my Patreon page in the description box attached or go to Patreon and search for Life After Life with Sandy Burns. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And I have a lovely lady joining us all the way from Kansas City in Missouri in the United States today. And her name is Lauren LeDuc. Am I pronouncing your name correctly, Lauren LeDuc? Oh, yes. Yes, yay. <laughs> um, well, first of all, Lauren, thank you for joining us, okay, and giving us your time today. Um. Lauren is an author, a yoga teacher, an intuitive, a podcast host, and most importantly, a mother. Okay, so we may hear uh, her daughter around in the background today, but you know, most of us that are listening are mothers and parents, so we're well used to that and probably won't even hear any noise in the background. So, um, so first of all, okay, I want to delve into your background a little bit, okay? And I will let you talk, I promise. I'm in an awful chatterbox. But um, <laughs> I, I want to delve into your background because I know that um, you help people a lot. But if you don't mind me mentioning, that comes from a very personal place and it comes with your battle with your weight and your health. Do you mind talking to us about that background a little bit? Hi, first Sandy, thank you so much for having me. and. No, I don't mind at all. I'm I'm feel honored to share my story and I think it makes you know everything that I've gone through makes sense and yeah. I think for most people if they've gone through hard times and and we all have in one way or another it connects us more to other people. Can we connect in our joy? Yes, but we also connect through our darkness and and through the ways that we've grown and and found our lights through that. So I think it's really important to share and yeah, when I was a teenager, I developed a really difficult eating disorder, uh, mostly anorexia. And at the time, I didn't really understand where it came from. But now as an adult, looking back and really understanding them more holistically, I see how it fits into my story in that uh, I grew up in this part of the country in the United States, which is very conservative and religious. I grew up in the church and I had this very specific idea about who I was supposed to be, how I was supposed to act, uh, that I was made in a way to, to please others. And I was a very high achieving kid. And at a certain point, uh, I think it was just burnout, really. I think Many of us have experienced burnout in one way or another, but for me, the way that I was living, the way I was presenting uh, was not sustainable for me. At the same time, I was a dancer. I wanted to become a professional, and as I got closer to finishing school and going into that world, I 
really, I think, took a lot of the darkness I felt in the world and in my upbringing and my own self and turned it inward uh, to this place of starving and at the same time was trying to fit this uh, mold and visual of what a dancer is supposed to look and be like. Um, so anyway, I, I couldn't sustain what I was doing and ended up really sick. And the light in that was, it was my, in my healing that I was introduced to therapy, that I was introduced to yoga, most importantly, I think for me. And it opened me up to the discovery of who I am, what I believe, not what I was like programmed or taught and made me go on this search, I think, for spirituality and, and for my own spirit. So I didn't heal right away. It took a good 10 years, and there was also a lot of failure in that time, some fun too, um, and some introduction to things that are very important to me now, like energy work and, and yoga um, to different philosophical concepts. Um, but yeah, in this healing, I accumulated a lot of student debt because I was still trying to fit into, um, I think, this specific life path that I was taught and was doing a horrible job at it <laughs> in the U.S. You pay for your own college and, and oftentimes take on a lot of debt to do so. Um, I also just dealt with the eating disorder for a long time with a lot of anxiety, with depression, and with self-medicating to try and just really get through the day. So yeah, that is kind of the darkness that I've come from. And, and not that things are always perfect now, but that gave me the impetus to collect all of these tools that have been such an important part of my life now and the, the wisdom and the knowledge to be of service to other people. So thank you for asking. Oh, no. And, you know, it's an amazing story. And I think it's important that people realize because I think sometimes they listen to us talking and they think, you know, what do they know about the real world? And we do know about the real world because we've had our own struggles. So, you know, thank you for sharing that because I know it's, it's difficult to talk about, you know, that, that period of your life. But I want to talk about the yoga as well, because, well, first of all, actually, can I go back um, one step and ask you, because I'll ask several people this, because we've mentioned spirituality, okay? And you you mentioned that you came from a religious background as well, you know, um, same here, 13 years of convent school, Roman Catholic here. <laughs> so I know what it's like, okay? But um, so to you, what does spirituality mean to you? To me, it's the direct connection with source or the divine or spirit, however you define it. And it is up to each of us individually to define that. So to me, it is outside of any kind of dogma or any really like laid path or structure that someone else can give you. And it's meant to be a direct experience and discovery. So for me, I connect to the divine in so many different ways. Uh, one is through nature, just feeling spirit and nature and everything. Another is by being present and all of the different practices that I do to find that state within myself because it's not always an easy thing to do. Uh, it's through yoga. It's through conversations with other people, looking them into their eyes and really seeing, you know, the divine within them. It's, you know, it's so many different ways. It's through mothering. 
Um, but yeah, that and honestly, every time you asked me that, I probably would have a completely different answer <laughs> um, totally because of, there's always a different experience. <laughs> I, I totally get it yeah. and, you know because I suppose Ireland would have a very religious kind of and conservative background um, and I'm, I'm still quite religious you know to be honest with you I, I still have a, a very deep faith but um, yeah I totally agree in that you know when people say spiritual they're very spiritual I too think of it's our connection to our higher selves you know and what goes on around that it's not necessarily what somebody else tells us so even when I take religion, I'm probably I say I'm religious, but I probably don't, you know, follow the Bible to a T in that, you know, I believe in what Jesus told us, not man's um, interpretation of what Jesus said, you know. So um, maybe my spirituality is my own interpretation of life. Who knows? But like you, I'd probably have a different answer every time you asked me. Um, so the yoga now yoga is an amazing way now when I was younger I did a lot of yoga until I had a car crash and hurt my back and then you know I, I wasn't as, as flexible as I was when I was younger but um, you, you said yourself you know that as you were healing that you started yoga and everything and it's a huge part of your life now because you have your own yoga studio <laughs> um, so um, yeah how does it help you you know, connect to your spirituality or to your own mindfulness even? So for me, yoga first connected me to my body and I'd say reconnected because I grew up dancing. That was how I really connected with my emotions and creativity. And then I lost that connection through this, through this eating disorder and the years following. So I was able to feel strong again. I was able to feel mobile, but I knew there was something more than what was happening physically and couldn't really pinpoint that right at the beginning. The connection to the breath was monumental to me, yes. um, learning how to breathe. And it's something we take for granted. We are breathing all the time if we're alive. Uh, but the harnessing of the breath is such an important tool and it's a way to self-regulate a way to um, calm the nervous system to be present uh, so I could feel the connection through those more physical tangible things but as I started learning more about the philosophy and history of yoga it became this uh, way to live essentially which is by being present and it's really calming our minds enough that we can be in touch with our own spirit. That's really the whole point of yoga. And it's so much more than a physical practice than we, that we do on the mat. So I've been really diving deep into my studies for 12, 13 years now. And it really has informed like every aspect of my life. It's given me a sense of peace and calm, even when things are difficult. And it's helped me stay in touch, not only with my own spirit, but to be able to really see other people as souls as well, and to hold space for them with a great deal of compassion. Yeah, I love it. And I love that you talk about the breath, because that was the big um, connection for me with yoga and I, I still use it even when I'm, I'm trying to teach people to connect with spirit I call them yogic breaths because you know on a day-to-day -day basis we don't use you know barely you know 50% of our lung capacity so you know it really helps in that way not only on a health level but as you say to calm the mind and you know um, I have two children myself now that they're bigger but when they were little I used to do baby yoga with them every single morning 
every mm. single morning. It was actually it used to be on the television over here. Um, I don't know if it's still on. They're older now. They don't do yoga anymore. They go to the gym. But um, yeah, I did it every morning and it used to calm them. I found it used to calm them, you know, because my I, ha- I had two boys who never slept. So <laughs> it was the only way I could get them to slow down. <laughs> now, I also wanted to ask you, OK, well, while we're on the yoga and, you know, for those people who are interested, I would say, you know, check out Lauren's website, which I have linked in the description box attached, because um, she not only teaches yoga, she has her own yoga school in Kansas City, but she teaches people to teach yoga. So like there's a lot to learn from her. So please do check out her website on all that information, please. Um, but, you know, for people who are maybe considering motherhood, is it OK if I ask you, how did yoga help your motherhood journey? Did it help you? It helps so, so much, not only in the physical sense and the breath, but in in the journey itself. So I can see, or my husband and I conceived my daughter in March of 2020. So it was just as everything was shutting down in the world. Yes, it was, you know, the whole span of the pregnancy, there was so much outer chaos going on. Mm -hmm. So yoga really helped me stay centered and find my peace and stay focused and connected with my daughter and and with growing her in a healthy way and, and keeping my energy and like a good good vibration you know despite the chaos um the birth itself was very much yogic I suppose we did a a birth at home and I prepared a lot for it I prepared my body I prepared my mind uh and my breath as well so through my whole labor I was using yogic breathing it turned into you know moaning and shouting (laughs) eventually um but (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's how I main- maintained my focus during contractions. Uh, I had this deep intuitive connection with my body as well. So I was able to move my body in the way that my daughter needed for me to birth her. Um, it was just so much a part of it. Also, a huge part of yoga is the concept of uh, you take action, but you also surrender that action. So you're holding these two polarities in a way of the action and the surrender. So while I was prepared and focused for her birth and during the pregnancy, uh, ultimately it took a good amount of surrender (laughs) as well to just let go in the moment, to let go of the way we think things should be and to allow things to happen, I suppose, the way that they're meant to even in the way that the body needs to be like to give birth it has to be in a somewhat relaxed state it needs to feel safe so surrender is such a part of that um, even after the birth although i had her at home and and she was healthy i had to go to the hospital um, my placenta wasn't birthing itself i needed to have it surgically removed and um you know, I needed to be in that state of surrender to just do what, do what was needed at the time to, to yeah, take care of, of business, so to speak, and to trust that my daughter would be okay to leave for a while. Um, yeah, and then, then going into early motherhood, and I'm only th- about three years into it now, um, you have to rewrite almost everything you know about life. You know, when I, when I had her, I was 36, and I had this very specific way of of living and 
uh, you know, a lot of order in my life and, and and I'm an entrepreneur. I had this like structure. I had to completely throw things out the window pretty much. Not that I wasn't using the wisdom I had gained, but I had to completely reorient my life around having a child. So holding the philosophy in mind was always really important of like, yes, we can create rhythm, we can create structure, but truly we need to be flexible and, and flow. And that is like such a huge part of motherhood is and of releasing expectations and being present with our children and their needs in the moment. Oh yeah. And you know, I remember when I was having my first, when I was, um, cause I had, you know, like you, I'd always worked. Um, and I was buying all these books that I was going to read while I was on maternity leave. And I think they're still upstairs in a box somewhere. <laughs> I never got to read them all these years later. And, you know, we're always in awe because now in Ireland, home birth really isn't a thing, you know, maybe in Dublin City. But like the, um, the nearest hospital is an hour away from our house. So you can't you're not allowed to give birth at home in case something goes wrong, you know, because you could both be lost um, on the journey to the hospital. So it's something that we miss out on. So it is births are kind of chaotic in that you're always in hospital, you have a team around you. But, you know, it must be so relaxing for the baby to come into their home environment. Um, I always think that, you know, to just arrive and then be at home and be among the family and not be limited as to who comes in even for them that must be so relaxing you know so I really envy mm. you with that it's something we don't have here um so let's talk about your book okay so I know it's December now but um, your book was just published a couple of weeks ago and it is called embody your inner goddess a guided path to radical wholeness Okay, so that sounds like a mouthful, but we're going to break it down. Can I ask you, first of all, what is radical wholeness? Hmm. Radical wholeness is not really something that we attain. It's more something that we, we realize within ourselves. So because we are each a piece of the divine, we are inherently whole. Of course. That's one side of it. Also... We have so many facets of what makes us who we are. And there are some facets that we show to the world that we feel comfortable uh, showing. There are other things that we might keep in the dark. We might not even be comfortable with them ourselves. So radical wholeness is really having compassion for, loving on, and maybe even transforming all of the di these different things that make us who we are. Um, and when I say transforming, I mean sometimes taking our quote unquote weaknesses and making them into our superpowers. So wholeness truly is this realization of what is already there and this love for what is already there. Every single person is whole. Every single person is worthy. Um, but we don't always walk around feeling that or knowing it. We don't because we call ourselves broken a lot of the time instead of looking at what we've been through as something that's made us stronger or that has taught us something. We tend to wear it as a medal to say, look what I've been through. OK, and that's not necessarily the intention of life, is it? It's supposed to make us stronger. So is that where you're coming from? That's absolutely um, correct, for sure. Another side of that is, I think it's part of the human condition to 
not quite feel whole to have this desire inside of us and it's very normal but it's also taken advantage of by uh, large corporations by marketers by anyone who has something to sell you so they take advantage of that feeling saying you know they don't say this directly necessarily but if you buy this thing then you'll feel happy you're one relationship away from wholeness you're one product you're one vacation you're one house you know whatever it might be and the truth is that we're already whole and that that truth makes us very powerful because it's less easy easy to manipulate people who are in that state of knowing their wholeness I totally get it. Um, you know, you can't function if you don't love yourself. So you need to understand, you know, how whole you are and love who you are. You don't always need to change yourself, you know. So I love that 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 take. So embody your inner goddess, okay? And I, I you know, I was reading some of your your work and you talk a lot about the sacred feminine. Um, mm. can you talk us a bit through that and you know? Um, what people will learn from your book and who should read your book? Sure. So the sacred feminine for me is this aspect of the divine that many of us are not as familiar with. Um, and I don't mean to say any religion is bad or wrong. I'll speak from my own experience, though. In growing up in evangelical Christianity, there's this very specific view of who God is, um, and it's a male figure. It's kind of an authoritarian figure. And then there's Jesus, of course, who's more of a, a figure of compassion and, and love. Uh, but they say like that Adam or, or man was made from God and then women were made from Adam. So I grew up not really seeing women in divine form or the feminine and divine form. As I got older and started exposing myself to other cultures and other ways of life, um, I was able to learn more about goddess worship. Um, even like in Ireland, you know, you go back pre-Catholicism and there is plenty of goddess worship. Mm -hmm. So uh, it is something that has existed for a long time. Um, so I'll start by saying that but in the yogic view of the body, we hold masculine and feminine. It's not something that belongs to women or men or gender nonconforming. It's something that is within all of us. The masculine qualities are more uh, linear and penetrating, solar, you can say. Mm -hmm. And that might be expressed in the male body through this 24-hour hormone cycle that they have. They, their hormones rise and fall with the sun. So they might be in touch with it in that way. Uh, the feminine side is more lunar, more cool, more circular, or c circular, pardon, more receptive. And while we all hold this, women might feel a little bit more in touch with this because we cycle with the moon. So uh, in our society, the masculine is more prevalent, more elevated, more our way of life. That's what we're swimming in, so to speak. Uh, we're meant to show up exactly the same every day and be productive. Um, we have hierarchies within society. We have a lot of uh, conquering within our society and, and war, which is kind of the masculine taken to the extreme. Sure. 
And the more feminine qualities are often either not celebrated or maybe we even push them down or don't cultivate compassion and love for them. So more feminine qualities might be connection to the earth itself, connection to creativity and emotions and sensuality, connection with our bodies. Uh, they are having hearts of service where we give and receive equally. They're using our voice in a way that is meant to show compassion, but also create sacred change, I think, through the world. So we use we use like qualities like anger that might be considered more masculine to um, kind of transmute through our hearts into this sacred action. Uh, it's intuitive. That, that receptive part of us is very intuitive. Um, so these are different qualities of what I'd call like the inner goddess or the sacred feminine. I see every person as having their own inner goddess, which is kind of the feminine manifestation of our soul. Um, the soul, I don't think, is gendered necessarily, but we're taking these qualities, again, that might not be celebrated, that we might not be well acquainted with within ourselves, or we might even see as weaknesses, and deifying them in a way. Um, so to me, that is the inner goddess, that is the sacred feminine, and by exploring these qualities within ourselves, um, we are creating more wholeness because we're looking at maybe some things that have been in the dark and shining light on them. If we do that as a whole, as a society, we're creating more balance, more equality, more collaboration, more compassion. So it's not a way to say that men are bad, women are good. It's not like that. It's more that it's like we have, say, each of us has a, a palette of colors that we're painting our life with and we're only maybe using half of them so it's an, an invitation to be fully expressed meaning using all of the colors so that to me is the sacred feminine and on this journey through the book we journey through the chakra system which is where these masculine and feminine energies live in in the energy body and we are kind of examining these different qualities um I express them through affirmations. So like day one is I love my body, for instance. And we travel all the way up from what makes us most human and messy to what makes us most divine. And we shine a lot of light and love on all of these different qualities. I learn personally through experience. So in the book, I share stories about my own life and also channeled writings and uh pull a lot from yoga philosophy, but I also invite the reader to reflect on their own story in life. So it's set up like a course where every day there's a reading, but then there are also reflections. So I really ask the reader to go through really the same work I did to write this book in examining their own story. And then there are embodiment practices every day too. Like I said, I learn by doing. So we examine the story and then we do something to like bring the concept into the body. So it's not enough to say, I love my body or to think about that. What are we doing to actually live that? So when I say embody, that's very much what I mean. It's like, it's having integration and integrity within mind, body, and spirit, and then taking action in that direction. So if you do the, the book day by day, it takes seven weeks. And it's not as though 
Maybe you'll be fully healed in seven weeks, but I do know that it has the potential to bring you closer to this sense of self-love, self-compassion, to realizing your inner divinity, and to the sense of wholeness of this is who I am, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And, and I, I love, you know, because it's something that I have been working on a lot myself, even, you know, to love myself more, because, you know, you're a new mother and you've probably found, especially in those first three years, that you've lost yourself in being a mother. So, you know, it's trying to love the new you, you know, and embrace the old you at the same time as being a mother to your daughter. So, you know, self-love really is the cornerstone for so many things in life. But it sounds to me, the way you describe it, that this book isn't just for women. Mm. I definitely have more female clients and Mm -hmm. in ways I'm speaking to women just because I think that a lot of us feel this sense of brokenness. A lot of us have these histories of feeling disconnected from our own bodies and from our own spirits. So I think it is important to speak directly to women, but men can absolutely benefit from this work as well. Like I said, these energies exist within everyone. And for men, there are parts of themselves that uh, because of conditioning, because of patriarchy, that they don't feel comfortable expressing, right? So it might be an opportunity for them to heal their relationship with the earth and with their own body and with their own emotions and to get into a space that's a little bit more vulnerable and truly themselves. I don't think anyone does well by being shoved into little boxes, right? And sometimes I think that we're asked to, to live in that way especially men. And I think, you know, people say patriarchy hurts everybody. It hurts men too, if they're not allowed to just be them, to be themselves <laughs> and to love who they are. Um, so while this book, I'd say was written more in a feminine tone because I, I'm a woman and, and that's how sure. I write. And it's, wrong with I that. speak a lot of ways. Like, yeah, I speak like I'm speaking to a girlfriend. Um, but I've had my brother read the book as as a test and he did the whole thing and he benefited a lot from it as well. So there might be a little bit of like laying down the ego for a man to take on (laughs) this work, but it's worthy work. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, that's something if I ever get time. No, I will, because I know I have the book um, and, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, things will maybe quiet down. And over the next few weeks, you know, as we're enjoying Christmas and everything, that I'll get time to sit down and read through it, because it's something that I'm always striving for, because, you know, um, it's like the, you know, when she says in, I always think of the film Pretty Woman, I know maybe it's a little bit before your time, but she always says that, you know, the the mean stuff is harder to believe. So when people are telling you negative things about yourself or making negative comments, it's easier to believe that. It's very hard to break through it and say, no, they're wrong. So I'm always looking for something that's going to help me break through that barrier because it's something that I struggle with every single day. And I should say as well, um, because it's it's so lovely to talk to you, but for people who want to hear more of you, you do have your own podcast as well with your best friend. I do. Yes. So it's called Your Spiritual Besties and it's with my best friend Rashida and we talk about anything from the mundane to the mystical and spiritual. We do readings on air as well, which are really fun. And we, we team up and do them together. And we interview uh, folks like yourself with interesting stories and who, who you know, live and work in the spiritual realm. 
Um, and I'll say for me, as you're talking about, you know, motherhood and, and all of that, for me, early motherhood, especially in a pandemic, was really isolating. And listening to podcasts was such a, a way for me to feel connected with myself and and with other adults <laughs> and with the world. I'd put them in my ears and go on a walk with my daughter. I'll also circle back to the book in that I designed it so all you have to do is read like one short reading a day and then journal and do the practice. So it's, I'm someone who used to have hours for, for my practices. And now I have these little micro chunks of time yes. because I'm mothering <laughs> as well. So I like what, how can we create like 20 potent minutes a day that are really effective? And that's how the book is written. So you can just check in for a few minutes and then put it down until the next day instead of taking on the task of reading something all at once it's meant to be savored and then integrated yeah and like that's amazing because everyone says i don't have time so now lauren's mm -hmm. telling you you need the minimum amount of time it's just making those few minutes for yourself every day and you know that's where the journey starts so thank you so much for chatting with us today, Lauren. Um, I have actually learned so much and I feel even maybe a little bit more at ease to know that I'm not the only one that struggles with this whole self-love thing. So um, there's my Irish accent coming out now and I, I don't pronounce my THs. <laughs> so, it's you know, adorable. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I try to speak very slowly and properly when I'm speaking to people, but no, the altiferary accent comes out every now and again. So look, guys, um, for those of you listening, um, I will have a link to Lauren's website in the description box below if you below. If you want to know anything more about her, you can contact her there. She has all the information about her yoga, her book, her podcast. Everything is on the website or you can contact her to ask any questions. Because as you can hear, she's very approachable and uh, you can ask her anything. So, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us on the Life After Life podcast. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Sandy. And thank you for all of the work you do. It's so beautiful. I love seeing your personality shine. And I know you're helping so many. Um, and anybody who's coming at you with, with hater comments just needs a little more self-love. <laughs> they do. They absolutely do. So guys, thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode of Life After Life. So until then, take care and stay safe. Discussing every